Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you into our show. We talk about all things technology from the past, present, and future, but we like to do so in an interesting, topical, and digestible way without a lot of geek speak or acronyms. We just want to talk about tech that's important to you and to us. We want to start by thanking Cardinal Capital. To all business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your bank. Even if you do, though, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business so they can present your needs to lending institutions that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important to banks, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net, call 225-308-3700, or email them info at cardinalcap.net. All righty, let's have ourselves some, some tech gumbo here today. Very excited. We'll start off with the news and updates that we like to do in our first segment. The first story we found, more than a third of women who are in the tech sector or eyeing, they're they're wanting to leave the tech sector sometime within the next two years. Yeah, that's a very troubling number. According to the survey, it was almost 40% of women said they were planning on leaving their tech jobs in the next two years. Uh, and not just their current job, leaving the tech, they're leaving their current job in the next two years. I'd be really curious to see what percentage of men are leaving their current tech job in the next two years, though? Tech is an industry that has a lot of turnover. And so, you know, is this, are they looking to leave the workforce? Are they looking to leave tech as an industry? Or are they just changing jobs? Because those are three different questions which need three different levels of concern. So that is a fascinating question because it's, number one, it's very disappointing and very disheartening that almost 40% of the women who are in the tech sector don't feel like this is a good choice for them. That's very disappointing. Hopefully, is they are just wanting to upgrade from their current position to another company, another job. Maybe that's the way this, this really should be read. Not that they're just saying, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm leaving tech. I'm I'm going to banking or, or or wherever. I hope that's the way it plays out. But gee, that's just not the way this article is written. Yeah, this this article is definitely written to frame it as leaving the workforce or leaving tech, because there's another number that found that one in three women. Well, this so there's a different study which found that one in three women across various industries are considering either leaving their jobs or downshifting their careers. So that points to a much broader trend. And I think that's what this survey, what the article is trying to get at. But I think that 
you you really need to make sure that you're slicing this data properly because you, you need something to compare it against in order to really understand it. We need the full context around this data because if you know you, you said 38% of women are leaving their, their jobs in tech in the next two years, but 35% of men are also planning leaving their tech jobs in the next two years. Well, that doesn't really tell you a whole lot, but if it's 10% of men versus 38% of women, now we, we're pointing to something much more interesting. And it doesn't go into the, the because uh, most of the people in the tech sector are young. Are, are these talking about women who are wanting to start families, take a couple of years off to have children, and then get back in after the kids start school age or something like that? Because there is a lot of people who do that. Hopefully that's what they're trying to allude to, that people are just saying, yes, the tech sector's growing and getting bigger, but and there's a lot of women in it and they need more. Maybe that's where they're going with the story. I don't know. It was it was it just caught my attention and it 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 I felt like we needed to talk about it a little bit. Oh, I, I agree. Because it does highlight a lot of numbers showing that 43% of people surveyed said they think there's a gender pay gap at their workplace. 38% said they've witnessed gender bias. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of problems that women in tech face. And we just need to make sure that we're, we're really understanding exactly what this data is telling us in order to best take the steps on how to fix it and how to make sure that our, our field really benefits from everyone who, who wants to contribute. Absolutely. Moving along, another story, and this is also another rather disheartening story. Ransomware gangs are now, they're so rich they're buying zero-day flaws well in advance of them being released to the in, as general information. Yeah, prior to you know the present day, zero-day flaws had tr traditionally only been able to be obtained by nation states. But because these ransomware gangs have been so profitable and so lucrative, they're competing in the same realms. They're now big enough to be some of the big boys. When you're talking about seven-figure opportunities to buy these these zero days, seven sometimes eight-figure deals, that's not just something that most people carry in their back pocket, and that's why it does get to the nation-state level thing. But you've got these people who have made so much money from this ransomware that now they can go out and buy real havoc. Yeah, because, you know, as you pointed out, you kind of have to have that cash in advance. No one's going to loan you, you know, $50 million to go buy ransomware. And so to have that much money to front this, and then to think that it's going to be an investment worthwhile, you have to be a large scale enterprise. A $50 million investment puts you as a very large corporation here in America. And so, you know, that's that's the scale that we're dealing with. This is going to be hundreds of employees, maybe, you know, to, to do this. This is big time. You know, it's not just one or two guys sitting in their mom's basement. These are teams of people who are disciplined, organized, trained, intelligent. This is scary. And they're also government backed in a lot of cases. 
the they're ransomware gangs. But when you when when Putin is your daddy, he when Putin is the CEO for your gang, then you can sit there and and float out fifty million dollars to go buy this this zero day flaw, and and get way out ahead of of the the patches and fixes get inside the networks you need or that you're targeting and just do some really bad things. Yeah, it, it definitely is a mistake to assume that they are entirely uh, unaffiliated. In a lot of cases, you have to think that if Russia or China or Iran isn't directly supporting, they at least know about it and might kick in the first 10 million, but maybe not the full 50. And yeah. so things like that, it, it's very much a a unofficial official sort of thing so but speaking of ransomware this was a a quick little story the first thing you don't do when you do get hit by ransomware what is that you don't tell people i've got ransomware insurance (laughs) because (laughs) that's when as soon as you sit there and you start negotiating with these hackers and you say well look all my insurance company is going to provide is you've just told them you've got a whole big bankroll to run to run with and they're going to they're not going to back down if you tell them look I'm just a mom and pop bicycle shop and and you know we're we're a 200,000 year dollar a year business and you're asking me for 600,000 dollar ransom okay well yeah all right we'll take 200 dollars and go away kind of an extreme scenario but if you say well look my ransomware insurance policy will only pay a half million dollars and you're asking for six hundred thousand dollars okay we'll take the 500 you know yeah the they having the insurance or telling them that you have insurance just puts a target on your back because also it means that anyone else who wants to come after you also now knows that you're a target who has an open wallet. Yeah, so just don't don't have your 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 poker hand laid out on the table in front of you. Basically, keep your cards close to the vest. Play it play it down. You know you don't have any money. You're just a struggling little business. Even if you're Exxon, just don't don't give it away that way. Moving on, the Democrats in both the House and the Senate have introduced a new bill. They're calling it the Stop Grinchbox Act to crack down on scalper-run bots. I love this story. These lawmakers have just had enough. They've probably been trying to buy Christmas presents for their kids, and their kids are one latest Xbox or PlayStation, and they can't get a hold of one because... Somebody has created some bot and and bought the first 500 available every time they were, you know, when some store gets 500, they're gone within 30 seconds. Gee, I don't think there's really that many people sitting there clicking, clicking and clicking. But if there's that computer or that bot is just sitting there waiting and they buy the whole all 500 and then all of a sudden instead of a $500 box, it's now a $900 box on eBay. Yep. This bill is designed to crack down on cyber grinches who are using bot technology to buy up whole popular inventories and resell them at higher prices. And that's exactly what they'll do. They'll go to those resale sites 
and they'll say unboxed brand new, you know, 750. You know, I know that you can't go get it somewhere else because I have all of them and they just sit there and they'll buy it up and they know they're turning a profit. Yeah, that's how bad do you want it? Oh, you it's only two hundred and fifty dollars more than if you could have got it at the big box store and they don't have it. So if you want it, how bad do you want it? You know, and I like this. I think this is a great bill. I would love for Republicans to get on board with this. I, I hope that they join in sponsoring this um, because I, I can't imagine that the, that anybody's going to jump up and say this is a bad bill. Oh yeah, I, I totally agree because it's not just about you know the nicest toys at Christmas. It's also about anything throughout the whole year. It's we are using this example because it's relevant right now. But you also have things like tickets to to concerts and to shows and things like that. Anything that goes on sale in bulk and gets snatched up immediately, those are all prime targets for botters. And so to prevent that from happening, because all you're doing is you're just making sure that it's real people buying the things as opposed to just scalpers inserting themselves in the middle. And so scalping is already illegal. We're just making it digitally illegal as well. Yeah, I guess so if you're going to make the the user confirm your email address you know if you're a first time buyer kind of thing you still got a bot that can reply to it if you've gone to the trouble you would have had to create 500 email addresses though or you just uh, you know have some time limit that like i i don't know exactly how what the mechanics are going to be and that they might leave it up to the the Retail. website to enforce it for itself. You know, we don't have all the exact details now of what the they're going to do here with it. But the the idea is good on paper. Absolutely. So there, another story we found, the FBI seems to like WhatsApp and iMessage because those sites tend to give up the most information. Yeah, whenever subpoenaed, WhatsApp and iMessage would turn over everything pretty quickly, whereas Signal, Telegram, WeChat, and others like that wouldn't disclose anything. When you're using these this, these messenger s- systems, you're pretty much not really thinking a lot of times about, oh, that information never goes away. We're just chatting back and forth. But you get into some kind of legal wrangling and they want to go back and grab everything you've ever said on Messenger or WhatsApp. All of that data never goes away. So that's that's fascinating to think. Okay, boys and girls, be careful what you type. And it's not even just what you type. It's also giving up things like your address book, you know, who your contacts are. And so even if you... Only if you don't say anything inappropriate, they can, you know, collect any sort of the metadata or the associated data or the related data because WhatsApp is owned by Facebook and Facebook owns all of that data. You don't own any of that data. You don't control any of that data. If Facebook just wants to hand it all over at the drop of a hat, that is entirely at their control. It's whatever the um, FBI wants to ask for. 
and I would imagine any other law enforcement agency around the world as well. So, oh, absolutely. It so happens this, this story was mentioned in the FBI, and knowing knowing how popular WhatsApp is around the world, uh, I would imagine Interpol is looking for that kind of data, or MI6, or any one of them. They're all going after it real hard. Absolutely. Speaking of international data. Apple has been fined $11 million in Italy for employing aggressive methods in the commercial use of private data. And Apple probably, Apple and Google were both fined $10 million. And both of them probably had that in pocket change. That's really kind of a rounding error for them. So yeah, they pulled out of the sofa. Yeah, that's that's not a real big fine. But it's something to where, okay, we'll get a couple of lawyers in those countries who represent us to go and file some appeals and say, we didn't do that. That's not us. We would never do that. And and, and then they're just going to write the check. Yeah. The, the claim is specifically that neither Apple nor Google provided users with sufficient and immediate information that their data will be used for commercial purposes. So because Italy is protected under the GDPR, the those companies have to tell you when your data will be sold and how it will be sold and what it will be used for. And Italy said that their users were not informed. And so therefore, Apple and Google had to pay a price. Again, that price was not very large, but it sets a precedent. And this gets back to the stories we've done countless times talking about the terms and conditions. I would venture to say in the term, terms and conditions, yes, it spells out everything they're going to do. When you look at Google's terms and conditions, that's got 13,000 words in it. There's a paragraph somewhere in there that says we're going to sell your data. Well, it's not quite that, because in this case, uh, in the case of Apple, the promotional activity is based on a method of acquiring consent to the use of data without providing the consumer the possibility of a prior and express choice. So it's less about did we tell you and more did we give you the choice to opt out? Because again, in the GDPR, it places all the data in control of the like in the hands of the users. And so because the users were never given the chance to opt out. That is the specific thing. Whether or not Google or Apple wants to sneak it in, that's different, but you still have to have the, I'm going to unsubscribe. I'm, you cannot use my data in this way. Well, that's interesting because, you know, if you've been going along making, you know, your business the way Apple and Facebook and all the social media platforms have been been mining their data and and they have all become gdpr compliant over over the last couple of years is this is this you know you know what more does they have to do or this is this some new law that's jumped up and said oh by the way now we're we're in, we're we're saying you did something bad recently or is this a a story that's just coming just the fine is just being levied from a 2016 i think it's uh it was a very specific instance it was for a promotional uh service so i think it was a, a one-time thing that popped up you know it was a um short-term 
you know, ad or something like that, short-term campaign that was being run. You know, we're, we're going to test this pilot project to see if we can capture some data. And inside of that is wherever Apple and Google blundered. Okay, fair enough. So we do want to thank General Informatics for being a sponsor of our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services team can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strengths. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. The true testament to GI's success, however, has been the strategic support to our clients' growth. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this as a podcast, you can check out our previous episodes on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Music, Amazon Music, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is posted. If you have any suggestions, you like our show, or you have a question, send us a text, 225-255-0431. If we use your question, we will send you a big Tech Gumbo mug. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.